This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. You heard of this thing, the eight-minute abs? Yeah, sure, eight-minute abs. Yeah, the uh, exercise video. Uh Yeah, well, this is going to blow that right out of the water. Listen to this. Seven-minute abs. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm all fired up today because coming down to the basement is reformed shopaholic and founder of theholisticwallet.com, Michelle Bobrow. Hmm, she's a reformed shopaholic? It almost sounds like they think shopping's a bad thing. Hey, this guy scored all of his Beanie Babies on sale, I'll have you know. Anywho, we've got two great headlines for you today. First, how about a 15-minute money hack that'll help you get your finances back on track? Listen in now? Yeah, I thought so. Hey, even better? Think everything's getting more expensive? Boy, do we have news for you. But that's not all. We'll still throw out the Haven Lifeline to Molly, who asks about health insurance, answer yet another listener letter, and, of course, wrap this baby up with my incredible trivia. And now, two guys who wish they could afford to be shopaholics, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. Boy Shopaholic down here in the basement. I think, uh, not to name names, but it rhymes with UG. There you go. <laughs> I need Mrs. OG to stop being a shopaholic. Oh, that's not nice. Actually, she's fine. She's, she's not here to defend herself. I, By the way, not to throw anybody under the bus, but I know who the shopaholic is in your family. Totally. Absolutely. 100%. It's my kids. <laughs> the only thing I'm a shopaholic got is it's your kids. Good. <laughs> You're just wheeling and dealing, man. Just wheeling and dealing. Shucking and jiving, baby. Shucking and jiving. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Not My Fault, It's Yours podcast. I'm Joe Solzihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter, just so you know which voice is which. And across the card table from me for yet another hump day edition of the show, the other voice is OG. Already the end of May. Who'd have thunk it? Time flies when you're having fun. It is so crazy, and we're gearing up for a a great summer. We're coming to Philadelphia in July, uh, July 22nd, uh, Philly. We're coming to see you. No pressure, by the way, but uh, just saying that Seattle had 22 people there when we came and had our meetup. No pressure, though. I mean, it's not like you want to compare yourself to another possibly superior city if you don't have 22 people. But anyway... Philadelphia. We're on our way. We'll have more about that coming up. And uh, what else we got going on this summer? All sorts of fun. So, well, Doug just decided it's time to mow the lawn. <laughs> of course. So we got that going for us. Why does he introduce the show and then decide to... to, to just... He's like, my job here is done. For, I've, got, I've got 30 minutes before <laughs> I have to come back on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock out this lawn mowing. Uh, you know what? We, we should get a big box and we should mail Doug somewhere. Wouldn't that be great? You know how we do that? We'd use stamps.com. Thanks thanks to stamps.com for supporting Stacking Benjamins. With stamps.com, we can all access all the services of the post office right from your desk, right from your basement, as it were, uh, wherever. Right now, use SB for this special offer. It's a four-week trial. Includes postage and a digital scale where... Um, or when you mail a Doug, that's pretty robust scale. It just says E-E-E-E-E-E on it. 
Head to, which means extra, 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 extra postage. Is that what that means? That's right. Yep. Head to stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, type in SB, and bada boom, bada bing, you're getting the special offer. That's stamps.com and enter SB. We're also brought to you by Magnify Money. You know, the average person who goes to Magnify Money saves 450 smackaroonies, 4.5 Benjamins when they go there because Magnify Money is your place to compare, ditch, switch, and save. Whether it's your checking account, your savings account, that credit card that isn't at 0%, or if you pay off your credit card in full like you should every month, why not use a reward card, right? 2% 2% reward cards and more at uh, magnifymoney.com. If you have somebody like my kids who are new to credit, there's a special spot for them. I know I hooked up my kids with with uh, Magnify Money when they first started out. And then again, my son and my daughter already in the last few weeks have asked me about credit and about now that their credit has been pretty established, getting better cards and they pay their bills in full every month. So why not? StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money. Well, gee, I'm excited about today's show because we've got Michelle Bobrow from The Holistic Wallet joining us. That's going to be fun. You know, if you're somebody who is uh, bad with money, Michelle Bobrow was bad with money and now she coaches people. She's a money ninja, OG, money ninja in the basement. She's going to fix your stuff. <laughs> stuff. stuff. Uh, I'm so excited. We're going to talk to her about her personal story. She's been there. She's done it. Now she's going to coach you. She's coming to the basement today. But first, we got some headlines, so let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Our first headline comes to us from the DailyMail.com from the UK. It's across the pond from here. See, first we had Tom Hodgkinson. a lot of ponds from here. <laughs> first, we had Tom Hodgkinson here from across the pond, and he brought this Daily Mail piece with him, apparently. Uh, revealed. The 15-minute money hack that will reduce your debts and see your bank account grow. I mean, <laughs> clickbait. 15-minute hack. Love it. It's it's amazing. Six-minute abs. No, five-minute abs. I love that. I know. There's I so a funny comedy bit there. Love that piece. According to David Koch, you only need 15 minutes to reassess your finances. He said it's important to learn about how money works so you don't get caught. Uh, Staying on top of your finances can be difficult, this piece says, if you don't understand where your money comes from and where it goes. So taking the time to learn more about your funds can make a big difference when it comes to decisions such as buying a house and taking out a loan. Quote, take a moment to think about your financial goals and how you achieve them, then build a basic budget and make sure you're living within your means, David Koch told the Daily Telegram. If you've already accrued bad credit or a number of debts, he suggests it's time to develop a strategy in place to pay them off. Every month, set aside just 15 minutes to think about your money and give it some love. Not to pay bills or do financial admin, but to set goals, assess how you're doing financially, adjust behavior. In other words, working on your finances rather than in them. I love this idea. Working on instead of in. That's true for just about everything, right? You got your business and you're in the business. You're doing it all the time. But you need some thinking time outside of that to, you know kind of get the creative juices flowing and figure out where you want the business to go. So the same thing's true with your money. Yeah. If you, all your whole money behavior is mint and, and, you know, seeing what's happening with the money right now, as opposed to thinking about what the future holds for your money goals and that sort of thing, time will just slip by. You know, my best ideas, whether it's for my personal financial strategy or for our business or whatever it is, those never happen when I'm in the trench, right? When I'm working on something, it's usually I'm in an airplane or I'm out on my run or driving from point A to point B. Like it's it's those times away. And that's why, you know, you see so many business gurus say this, and I think it's true for money. And you don't hear money gurus say this, OG, but I think it's, this is a great point. Have time away from your finances that are time just planning, like sitting with an empty piece of paper, just yep. planning. Yep. Some other place, some place that you're not comfortable in. I mean, comfortable, but not normal, right? Coffee shop, library, something like that. Some people like to work completely quietly, no sound at all. There's places like that. You can also work with, like I do, I put the headphones in and I turn the music up as loud as it'll go. So, I, you know, that's, that's my quiet. So yeah. The important thing is putting yourself in a different spot so that you can 
you know, use different uh, parts of your brain for a second. Our second headline comes to us from CNN Money. This written by Nathaniel Meyerson. It's not just you, OG. Everything really is getting more expensive. You know that? Tell me about it. P says, you're not imagining things. Prices are creeping up. Americans want to buy more stuff and businesses are rushing to meet demand. Unemployment's below 4% for the first time in 17 years. Wages are slowly inching up and consumers are spending more on clothes, furniture, and cars. At the same time, elevated labor, transportation, and commodity costs are pinching their profit margins. Both consumers and producers are feeling the squeeze from a healthy U.S. economy. After years of low inflation, prices rose 1.9% in March from a year ago, according to the Federal Reserve's favored inflation measuring stick. Consumer prices were up 2.1% in April from a year ago, while suppliers paid 2.6% more. It's funny, people hear these numbers about higher employment, and more people making more money means more spending, means customers go, hmm, a lot of demand for my thing now that I didn't have a lot of demand for before, so I can probably raise the price more. So I can employ more people who will have more money, who will drive up the price on something else more. All wrapped up into that one glorious word, inflation. Which is something that like cerebrally, I think we hear inflation, we go, yeah, cool. But like, I think of every older person I know, and they spend a lot of time talking about how expensive everything is. You know, yeah. if you do the math, it's only a three or 4% rate, depending on what object you're looking at, unless it's college, then it's like, you know, 46%. But looking at the average thing, I mean, prices just slowly rise. And that's why money in a savings account doesn't work. I saw it the other way too. It's not only do prices rise, but you can also see quantity of things go down to keep prices the same. Uh, my favorite example of this is the freaking half gallon of ice cream. When I was a kid, you were a kid, we always used to get half gallons of ice cream. We'd go get a half gallon, right? It was a big square box of ice cream. And then that slowly shrunk more and more and more to keep that price approximately the same. Breakfast cereal. Breakfast cereal is a great example. I went to McDonald's and got a pot fudge sundae and I got the cup and I went, why this just seems a little bit smaller than it was, you know, for the same dollar fifty or whatever it costs for a half a Sunday, you know? So inflation can be kind of sneaky on two fronts. You, know, you get less than what you're used to or price goes up. And it's the compounding of that, right? It's not the 3% this year, right? Something costs a dollar, now it costs a dollar three. <laughs> Who cares about three pennies? But it's that 3% on top of 3% on top of 3% for 25 years that makes milk $5 a gallon. And people think about you and I talking about 3% or 4%, while this number that they're quoting is 1.9. The government statistic, folks, is not real inflation. It is. It excludes transportation and energy. It's, it's not. <laughs> it's, hey, so this is how much everything went up, except the stuff that you really need, like to heat and cool your house and to go places. It's so funny, which is well, why- I've seen a little bit of inflation in the oil markets recently too, right? Sure. That's why no responsible financial planner is going to use uh, this particular government statistic. It just, it's just not, not true. Not true at all. I think the big lesson is, number one, inflation is something you need to kick the pants off of. Like, you can't just equal inflation. If you're doing 3 or 4%, that means, OG, you got to save dollar for dollar for your retirement goals, right? So you yep. probably have to double inflation. I mean, we've got to find a way to get 6 to 8% at least. Yep, not of inflation. You got it. Yeah, so that's uh, lesson number one. Lesson number two is 15-minute hack. Sounds easy, and it really is. Don't spend time working in your money. Spend time working on your money, and I think you get a lot further ahead. I really feel like Doug is doing nothing other than just mowing right in front of the basement window here, it's, like repeatedly going right back. It's like, what dude, did you, you mowed what, that part. What did you do? You're good. What did you do? You must have done something. Yeah. Because he does not stop. He's uh, yeah. clearly not happy. Uh, Michelle Bobrow upstairs talking to mom. Michelle worked on Wall Street, which makes you think that, wow, Michelle must have been somebody who all her life had her ducks in a row. But as she's going to explain, she did not. She was a shopaholic with the best of them who thought like everyone else that, hey, if uh, I can make that payment every month, who cares how much money I have on my credit card, right? To the realization that things had to change. We're going to talk to her about her story and then some of the issues that she has when she coaches people at theholisticwallet.com. 
So I'm so excited to hear about somebody who went from shopaholic to money ninja. Let's say hello to Michelle Bobra. Michelle's walking down the stairs. How are you? Have a seat. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So you pronounce your last name, Bobro? Sure. Wait a minute. You say sure, like maybe, maybe not. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm living with Saul Sihai, Saul Sehi, Saul Shay, right? All that. So is it Bobro or is that just like me? I'm like, yeah, whatever. Close enough. It was Bobrowski when my grandfather was born. And then he took off the ski and we've kind of been asking him, like, you know, he, he died almost 15 years ago. So we're kind of like, how were we supposed to pronounce this? And, and he was like, I don't care. Just pronounce it however you want. And like, but you created this name. Like you get to decide this. So why don't you? So he leaves you halfway. Yeah. He's, he's like, <laughs> you're like, wait, you can't do that to me. You can't yeah. do that. Yeah. So like half my family pronounces it Bobrow. The other half does Bobro. And I say both. I use both pronunciations and confuse everyone. It's, That's fantastic. Well, we'll just go with Michelle then. How's that? Shit sounds good. <laughs> so you coach people on money, though, but your not-so-in-the-closet secret is that you were a shopaholic. Yes. I've gone from being a super shopaholic to, like, super frugal, and now I'm somewhere, like, at a nice happy balance in between. Let's start with shopaholic days, because that's fun. Let's talk, let's, <laughs> let's talk about the dark days for Michelle. What, what happened? I had credit cards. And they were really easy to get, which I, I guess kind of surprises me still now to see people who don't have credit cards or who don't uh, or who use like payday loans and that kind of stuff. Because I thought it was just so easy to get access to this like little four inch piece of plastic. I was in college and I had my freedom and autonomy. And I kind of just figured like my perception of debt was that as long as you can make the minimum payments, who cared you know, what you were paying in interest or that kind of stuff, because debt was just a fact of life. And as long as you can make the monthly payments, everything's good. Like you get to live a life of not necessarily luxury. Like I didn't have a totally luxurious life, but like I was enjoying, like I got to buy all the clothes I wanted and eat at any restaurant I wanted and like whatever I want, whatever I desired, my little minimalist desires of a, you know, of a college student, like I had that at my disposal. Isn't that funny? I remember those days too. I, I mean, I remember my first credit card and all I was worried about was making the payment. I didn't care about the interest rate. I didn't care about the balance. I just wanted to make the payment. Yeah. That's, that's wild. When you had, cause everybody, it seems like has an aha, you know, mm -hmm. goes, Oh, wait a minute. What the hell am I doing? Like you wake up one day, was yours hitting bottom? I mean, mine was all of a sudden I'm maxed out and my credit card's taken away because I can't make that payment because I didn't have a job. <laughs> how, how bad is that? They gave me a credit card. And I didn't have a job, yeah. but, but that was mine. What was your aha wake up moment? It was stressing me out. Like I was, I had a few credit cards and I was always tallying up the balances and like trying to figure out like how much I was going to make. Cause I had a, I had a job in college. I was bringing in like maybe 11 to $1,200 a month, but I was constantly obsessed with it. Like I was always worried about like how I was going to, make that payment. And to this day, like I haven't missed a payment, but it was always very stressful. So then my turning point was kind of, I had made my peace with it because I didn't feel like I had any out because I, this was all kind of happening during the great recession. So I was kind of like, Oh, this is, uh, this is the rest of my life now. But that part-time job I had in the corporate finance sector turned into a full-time job. So I was like, Oh, this is really awesome. Like I'm making a real salary now. So let's get rid of this because this doesn't feel too good. And some people think, by the way, that when people that pay down debt, by the way, how much debt was it? I had like 5,000 credit cards, uh, 15,000 a car loan and 30,000 student loans. But people think that you must have been making money hand over fist all of a sudden and you just solve it by making more money. But in your case, that wasn't the case at all. Yeah, no, I was starting at 40,000. It was significantly more than my $11 an hour, but I wasn't... <laughs> like this high six figure Wall Street job. Do you remember that day, by the way, when you started making $40,000? Because I remember mine. I remember making like uh, 40,000 bucks for the first time and thinking that's going to be a crap load of money. And yeah. it, it, it I don't know how long it took you, Michelle, but it took me maybe three weeks to go, holy crap, that's not a ton of yeah. money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't, yeah, it didn't really go that far. Um, it went far enough. Um, I was living with my parents. So like, my, I was able to make like pretty big payments on my credit cards, but 
when it got to like tackling my car loan and my student loans, that kind of stuff like that, I wasn't making the kind of payments I made on my credit card. I want to get back to that in a second and how you paid down the debt. But before we do that, that full-time job that you had was where? It was in capital markets. So I was in what I call uh, the ground zero of the collapse, where I was in the mortgage industry selling and buying mortgages. Working on um, Wall Street? Yeah. I was in New York. Yeah. So so you're you're working in the mortgage industry right at the time that all hell's breaking loose in the mortgage industry. Yeah. And I'm looking at these, like I saw all the loans, like all the loans came across my desk and I'm looking at like how people qualified for them and stuff like that. And I mean, I was anxious about my credit card debt and my student loan and, and that kind of stuff. I don't know how these people signed up for this. And I don't know how my coworkers approved these deals. This is post collapse. This is after like, we all kind of realize giving mortgages to people who can't pay them, like probably isn't a good idea, but, right. but we still kind of kept doing it. You know, old habits die hard. So, wow. Were you in subprime mortgages? The bank I was at had stopped subprime before things got really crazy. Okay. But still like with the FHA loans and there were still plenty of products that were still pretty high risk, I considered. Yeah. Wow. So you're working on Wall Street. What about the people around you? You would think on Wall Street, you've got all these people around you that are savvy with money, taking good care of their money. Did that help you get out of debt? It helped by comparison to get me out of debt because I climbed the corporate ladder pretty quickly. And I was in middle management by my mid-20s. And I was surrounded by people who were managers and like higher earners and stuff. And they all still had tons of debt. Like they were still like negative net worth up to their nose, like not in a good way about their finances. And like we're stuck in these jobs because they weren't happy and they were pretty miserable, but they were stuck in these jobs because they had to pay these bills. You know, they put a new kitchen in and they had this luxury car and all these things that they had inflated their lifestyles pre-collapse. And now they were kind of stuck with it. Um, or they had these second homes in Florida and Carolinas and stuff like that. So I kind of saw that and was like, I know, but like I just not going down that path. So I was pretty diligent about making sure that like I like with every raise I got, I wasn't inflating my lifestyle, that I was still like keeping my living expenses as manageable and, and low as possible because, it, you know, it did come from a place of fear of when's the next collapse going to happen. Right. Like, no, because the people around you knew better, I would think. I mean, these are people yeah. that work the math all day long. So it's not like when you started out in college, when you were like me and it, nothing mattered but the payment. I mean, these people yeah. know that it's about the the interest rate and it's about the the amount of debt that you have, and they're still making the mistake. What you're describing just sounds like these people have a noose around their neck and it's just <laughs> tightening all the time and it's forcing them to do crap they don't want to do. Yeah. You saw the amortization schedule and like you see how much the interest is and you see that like it actually turns out that houses don't just keep appreciating in value. They do lose their value. So like and you've seen this happen, like we're in the middle of this. Like, how do you still upgrading your suit wardrobe and stuff like that? Why is that still your priority at this point? So at what point then? Well, before I get to you moving over and becoming a money coach, you're paying down your debt then. You see these people around you that kind of scare the hell out of you. <laughs> like yeah. This lifestyle that you don't want any part of. How did you attack the debt? Did you go debt snowball like the Dave Ramsey method, smallest balance up? Or did you look at the interest rates because you're around people doing the math all the time? How did you, how did you do it? Yeah, I've only had a couple student loans and my car loan. So I did the debt snowball. I tackled it by the highest interest rate first. I think that's the snowball. I'm no, not sure that there's actually, going to be the snowball in the avalanche. Actually, that's the avalanche, but we'll get back to this. But what I yeah. like about you is that you don't really care about this yeah. part, which I find fascinating too. But but anyway, back to you. Yeah. But like I said, it was kind of like a set it and forget it thing where I was like, this is a payment that I felt good making every month. I didn't want it to be too high because that kind of creeped me out. Like there's some people who want to pay it off as quickly as possible where I kind of did the math and was like, okay, this is going to cost me this much in interest. I'm okay with that. This is a reasonable number for me. And I and I think I paid like a total of $3,500 in interest, which I was like, I think that made me feel good compared to like not having that money in savings. I would have rather had that money in savings than pay that off in debt because I was so afraid of when the floor was going to fall out from under me. And then like, I like, oh, great, I don't have any debt now, but that saves me like a $200 payment a month. That's not like the minimum payment would have been $200. I'm like, that didn't like really 
I can't like feed myself with the money I paid off my student loan. So I love that lesson because often people like you and I, we have people ask us, and I'm sure you get this question all the time. Why the hell wouldn't this credit card, Michelle, is at 18%. Why wouldn't I just put all my money toward the credit card? And it's, well, if you put all your money toward the credit card, to your point, if my buffer's dragging behind my car, <laughs> where do I got to go for money? I go right back to the credit card. And you see people for 15, 20 years, they just keep paying off their debt, back into debt, pay off the yeah. debt, back into debt. And you're breaking that cycle. Did you also change your credit card habit? No, I had a credit card with really good cashback rewards that I still use to this day. I had like that one card and I still like, I shop around and I like, I look for like the new best credit card deals. So I have like a new one for my business, but I had all my flex spending, like all my discretionary variable spending on this credit card or like, and all my subscriptions and that kind of stuff. So like I had budgeted a certain amount and I just kept tracking that spending on that card. And then I would pay that off and I'd get the cashback rewards. So I kind of would save three to 5% on that spending also, so that was my mindset of like, I'm getting a discount on this by using this card. And I'm also making back the interest that I had paid when I, you know, carried a balance. And I have a spreadsheet where I, I have the tally of how much interest I paid compared to like how much cash back I've earned over the past eight years. And I'm still like in the black. So uh, I feel like I've gotten, I've, I've, <laughs> I got my, my money back. So. This is this is why I love your coaching because you've been there, you've done that, you've been where the people are that come to you. I love that aspect, which is what I want to get to next. All this stuff we just talked about, like which one you pay first. For you, you told me before we had this discussion that you don't really care about that as much as other stuff, which is kind of where the holistic wallet came from. Why don't you care about debt snowball versus debt avalanche? I think you have to want something to do it. So it, I like the psychology piece for me. I was bitter about the financial collapse. So like I didn't want these big banks to be making that much money off of me because I felt like they had profited off of people who weren't necessarily disclosed to adequately enough. So I chose to target my debt payment by interest rate, but also like knowing I made choices here too. So like I'm very, available to pay for interest. Like you're paying for the convenience of having this money up, up front. Right. So like I was able to go to college without having to like save that money in advance or like have to like work three jobs while I was in school. So like I have no issue paying for that convenience or paying for that time. Whereas I think some people kind of see it as all debt's bad. And, and this is such like a shameful thing and we have to be better. And I kind of was like, this is our con, like, this is how our economy is built right now. Like there are things that I do consider predatory and unfair and unsound, but like, I also make choices and like businesses go into debt and the government is in debt. Like they're like debt itself isn't an inherently bad thing. It's just knowing like what your risk tolerance is for, for certain things. And my risk tolerance is like, I'll take certain risks. Like, I'll, I'll carry a certain amount of debt to like enjoy things in life that I might miss out on if I was saving for certain things or like, you know, waiting until the right time to, to do something like leaving my corporate job probably was the most fiscally irresponsible thing I've ever done. And I probably like might be the like that I will ever do, but that was worth it for me because it was just seemed like a nice fun thing to do. And like, that's what I wanted. And I think when we get clear on why we're doing things, what our goals and our values are in life, I have like a totally, I kind of feel like I've kind of just rambled in all different directions on that, but it all boils <laughs> down to like having a big why and like knowing your values and goals and like pursuing that, knowing the price tag, like being fully educated on being yeah. fully aware of that as a consumer, but. No, making informed decisions. You talk about the banks, yeah. you know, predatory practices means not informing the customer mm -hmm. and taking it upon yourself to be informed. You know, like you said, if you're going to pay $3,500 in interest, you made that decision to keep money in savings at a crappier interest rate, but to make sure mm -hmm. you had savings. When you decided to leave and form the Holistic Wallet, you said it was very financially irresponsible, but you seem to be having a blast and things seem to be going really well. Tell me about that decision. How do you decide to leave the nine to five and then become a money coach? I had tried to change the system from within. I tried to advocate on behalf of uh, women and minority groups who kind who were not by intention, but by impact were uh, charged higher interest rates than um white men. And I think I kind of like hit a wall with that. 
And I was like, I think I could have a greater impact by like actually teaching people how to shop for rates and how to manage their finances and how to like understand this information that is designed to be very confusing and intimidating because that's how they profit off of it. Right, right. So, so that's kind of like where the idea from the holistic wallet came from. But it was also something that was like, I was afraid that I was going to lose my job. And like 10 months after I left, I, I like my division was sold off. Like there were constant mergers and acquisitions in the corporate world. And that kind of freaked me out to not have that stability or that control. Or when I had this idea, I was like, I have to have a year's worth of savings and no debt, a year's worth of living expenses. I mean, in, in savings and no debt. And once I hit that, I was kind of like, oh, so I guess I have to leave now. And so I did. I don't think I was totally prepared for it, but I was like, based on the numbers, it's time to go. So, But I think that's also the point is that if you wait until you're ready, you'll never go. Like, yeah. And you must have felt that too. Like if I'm going to yeah. wait until I'm 100% ready, really, are you ever 100% ready to go work for yourself? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I could save another 6000 another 10000 Like, what? Like, for what? When, when you coach people on their money, moving from your story to other people's story, what's the biggest thing that you see them really struggling with and maybe messing up? People just don't want to know the numbers, I feel like. There's this resistance, not just to, like the, to know the numbers, but to, like, like know the interest rates and know uh, – there's, like, there's so much shame about not knowing that stuff they have these beliefs in their head that it's just too complicated or there's just so much uncertainty and there's so much variation in life that it just, what's the point? It's just going to bring you down to know how much you've paid or, or that kind of stuff. So there's this resistance to understanding finance. And I do like the, the language of money is pretty complicated. Like it's, you do kind of have to learn a different language, but it's not like learning Spanish or something. Like you can Google these terms and the definition still can be a little daunting, but I kind of go into it like from an empowering perspective of like, you can learn anything. Like, like we've all learned a bunch of stuff in our lives that we didn't think that we could learn that we're like, we kind of saw as something far away. And if you can do that with anything else, you can do that with money. And I feel like with money, it's a, and I totally agree with you, by the way, this idea, I mean, what tells a 401k, right? <laughs> I mean, in Canada, God bless Canadians, they called it a registered retirement savings plan. Like it's exactly what it is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or a tax-free savings account, a TFSA. Like <laughs> like a TFSA makes sense, a Roth IRA. Like what the hell's a yeah. Roth IRA? Yeah. Once you get people over that hump, then what is it? What's the key? Yeah, it's keeping your goals front and center. Um, it's paying attention, like being mindful of what's going on, like knowing the numbers but also knowing how you feel and like acknowledging how you feel, which is, it's like changing any habit. So like when you're trying to eat healthier or you're trying to go to the gym more often or work less hours and you know, maintain some kind of work-life balance, like it's all the process of habit forming like or changing, like turning bad habits into good habits. So that's kind of where my focus is after like we get, so we get through the hardest part is looking at the numbers and then it's living it, right? Like an impl implementing the plan and that's all changing habits and kind of like there's certain hacks to, you know, kind of like throw the spinach into the smoothie type of thing. But for the most part, it's just getting like more comfortable with the numbers and feeling that fear of being intimidated, like negotiating a credit card interest rate or going to a dealership and not just buying given the price that you're given right away and that, and that kind of stuff. And, and like working towards your financial goals in ways that support your life goals, not just like, oh, I, I want to have no debt, but like, or what, like, what does your life look like once you have no debt? How do, how are things going to be different compared to how they are now to make you actually want to do that and like buy into that endeavor? Uh, the site is the holistic wallet where you'll find Michelle and you've got a great blog there and tools to tell everybody about the different things that are on the holistic wallet. Yes, so I have a quiz that'll help you figure out where to start when you're already in the thick of things. From there, I have a bunch of free and paid self-study courses to help you dabble, get a little more familiar with this, with these number stuff. Awesome. And you know what, if you're driving to work or home or on your commute, if you're walking the dog, whatever it might be, uh, we'll have the link to the holisticwallet.com on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. Michelle, thanks for hanging out with us and telling us your story. That's a great, great story. Thanks so much for having me. Trivia nerds, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, fresh in from mowing Joe's mom's lawn to deliver to you 
live and in person, the most enjoyed part of this show, my trivia, yeah, of course. In fact, a recent survey shows that four out of every five non-verified users reported that they'd share my trivia with a family or friend. Last I checked, four out of five is a majority, but let's not talk about that fifth guy because he had some words for me I cannot repeat in polite company. But I'll just say this, how does he know the sun doesn't shine there? Anyway, here we go. Today's delightful trivia goodness. I know I just threw some vacation destination trivia your way a few weeks ago, but here's another gem. According to a AAA study, what will be the number one domestic travel destination this summer? I'll have your answer right after this. This episode of Stacky Benjamins is supported by Magnify Money. You know, what's frustrating is, is you look in your wallet, maybe you've got everything that looks the same and they're all through that same big brick and mortar bank. Well, guess what? I'm here to tell you that we changed that at Stacking Benjamins and now we use an online bank. You know how we found that? We found that at magnifymoney.com where you can compare ditch, switch, and save. Whether it's your checking account, your savings account, maybe it's those credit cards in your wallet. Maybe you need an auto loan just to make sure that you get to work, whatever it might be. You know, the average person, by the way, that gets an auto loan doesn't go outside the financing at the dealership. And why wouldn't you compare, right? I'd immediately go to Magnify Money and compare. Prefer not to have an auto loan, but hey, if you need one, I'm in a comparison shop. And I'm going to do that no matter what the financial product is that I'm using, which is why we love Magnify Money, and they've been our longest-running sponsor here on Stacking Benjamin. So if you want to know why we like Magnify Money so much, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money and see for yourself how easy it is to compare, ditch, switch, and save when it comes to the financial products you use every day. These days, OG, you can get just about anything on demand. I mean, I dial up my favorite podcast. Heck, if you listen to this show, you just dial it up and here we are talking at you. Did you know you can even get postage on demand, though? All you need is stamps.com. With stamps.com, you can access all the services of the post office right from the comfort of your desk. Buy and print real U.S. postage for any letter or any package. It's all available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You just click print mail and bam, you're done. When I think bam, I still think of Emeril Lagasse. Don't you? Bam. I wonder if he works with stamps.com. My favorite is that you can print the labels, right? If you want to do like a media mail or if you're doing, uh, you know, a priority mail or something. You can print the actual label, slap that baby on, drop it in the mailbox, off you go. Stamps.com will even send you a digital scale. You can weigh your letters and packages and print not the... Not yourself. Yeah, yeah. And don't don't, don't try to weigh mom. She does not. She doesn't get into that. <laughs> you can print the exact amount of postage every time. So right now, pause the podcast and do this. Use SB for this special offer. A four-week trial includes postage and the digital scale. Don't wait. Head to stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in SB. We'll be here when you get done. I promise we will be here. That's stamps.com. Enter SB. Uh, trivia buff, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and wow, OG sure doesn't like it when I mow the lawn right outside the window while he and Joe are recording. I just laughed. Did anyone really notice? I mean, weren't you just waiting around for this fantastic trivia segment? Speaking of trivia, here was today's tasty question. What will be the number one vacation destination domestically this year? The answer if you guessed State Line Road in Texarkana, you'd be so wrong, but I like your style. The correct answer is Orlando. You ever hear of an obscure little vacay destination called Walt McDisney World? Neither have I, but apparently a few people are headed there this summer. But not me, I'm headed right back outside to start mowing because Joe and OG are about to take over on the mic. I gotta do something to help you people out. See ya!
I like this idea of Orlando. We're headed to Orlando in late September with our live show. By the way, also coming to Kansas City in early October, October 9th, and then uh, to Detroit, October 23rd. We'll have tickets on sale coming soon. But, but, OG, Orlando, I love, but in the summer? Like, what's that? Isn't that a Jim Gaffigan joke about going to the surface of the sun? Well, I guess that was sold out, so might as well go to Orlando. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's very warm there. Uh, I feel there's no breeze generally. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline, OG, and we're going to tackle some of life's or rather life insurance's most important questions like they do over at Haven Life. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they disrupt the life insurance industry by focusing on those two things you value most. 15-minute abs or 10-minute abs, whichever. Nine-minute abs. Seven-minute abs, more like. What was our other topic? Disney. I love how we we just did this. I know. So God, it's like deleted. <laughs> oh yeah, we talked to, we we talked about about that fifteen minute hack. I don't really care about that. Yeah, that's great. Oh, inflation. Who cares? Oh, and inflation. You know. Yeah, doesn't matter to me. Uh, that's it, it. It's actually your family and your time that you care about. Ah, I see. Yes, yes. that I do care about. But I'm sure the other two were number three and number four. It's why they created a simple way at Haven Life for you to buy affordable and dependable term life insurance online. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free estimate for coverage and to learn about life insurance the modern way. And when I say the modern way, I mean everything is different at Haven Life. I love how they're innovating in that space. Uh, We're going to throw out the lifeline today to our new BFF, Molly. Say hi, Molly. Hi, Joe and OG. Uh, This is Molly, and I have a question about health insurance as it relates to finances. Uh, So currently, my husband and I each use our own individual employer uh, plans, um, but we're thinking about having a family. And so I am looking into, you know, what the cost would be uh, if we all go on to one of our plans or the other. And so and I'm looking at this in the difference that it would actually make in our paycheck, not the cost of the plan, but what it would what our paychecks would look like. And with his plan, we would have an extra fifty five hundred dollars per year, which would be kind of nice. We're not eligible for an HSA. However, with his plan, uh, he has an almost fifteen thousand dollar out of pocket maximum, uh, whereas mine is only three thousand. He tends to have more medical bills when he does see the doctor, and from what I can tell, the costs are around 10% of the bill, which can get pretty high. But so far with just him, we're not coming, we might spend a couple hundred dollars a year on his medical bills. But obviously, you know, with kids, that can change. And for my medical bills, I tend to mostly just have co-payments with my insurance. So I was curious to hear your guys' opinion, especially since you actually have children and have been through some of this. The potential to have the extra money would be nice, but health health is important. So I promise not to learn anything. (laughs) Thanks, Molly, for the question. So his is a lot cheaper. Hers has a much lower cap. What do you do? Yeah, this is the gamble, right? You have absolutely no idea what's going to happen over the next uh, year or two. I guess a break even on this is probably somewhere, what, about two and a half years down the line, you know, $5,500 per. So you got to do whatever you feel most comfortable with in this regard, because there's always a chance that something happens and you have an extended hospital stay or something like that. And of course, Murphy's Law suggests that if it's going to happen, it's going to happen, you know, two minutes after you change your health plan. And yeah, you get hit with that $13,000 out-of-pocket max for the year. On the other hand, Murphy's Law also tells us that if you go with the lower deductible plan, you won't have any health <laughs> health insurance claims at all for the year and not recoup as much in premium costs. So I would feel really comfortable with this. You didn't say whether or not you've got a really great cash reserve or not, but I would feel really comfortable with the higher deductible plan. If I've got a good cash reserve, if you're still building the cash reserve right now, maybe for for the next couple of years, you go with the lower plan, the lower out of pocket plan may not result in as much cash flow freed up, but you've got a little bit more security there. I want to hear more about uh, your husband's expenses, Molly, because you said that he has higher expenses when he goes to the doctor. Does he have 
a condition? Does he go a lot? Does he go a little? And just when he does, he has higher expenses because of the fact that he waits, you know, and only goes a few times. Also, you know, there are things we do for kids that we won't do for ourselves. Like I'll wait it out. Like let's, let's say hypothetically, I eat some coleslaw that's been out for eight hours and, uh, not feeling so hot for a couple of days. I won't go to the doctor for that. If my kid had the same symptoms that I had, I'm at the doctor's office. I am right. th- there. Kid doesn't know what happened. Kid probably won't even tell me that they ate coleslaw that's been sitting out for eight hours. But, but so I worry about that too. So my, actually my, my direction because of the kid might be the opposite of OGs, which is why I like his thought process of it's all about your head, about where you're at. And it's also about your cash reserve. I think cash reserve plays a huge decision point here. You know, and if you can switch back and forth, I don't know if you can switch back and forth, but if you can, maybe you take the lower deductible in year one and see how it goes. In other words, take the one that costs more in year number one, just to be safe instead of sorry. And if you do the math after a year with children of how that worked out, then you'll have maybe a bigger, better data point before switching to the more aggressive plan. Right. Yeah. The biggest thing is no matter what you free up cash flow wise, you got to earmark that for something right Yeah. in advance. So if you're going to make a change and, and quite often the, Good the changes in these plans happen at the end of the year, right? So, so, you know, you kind of start the new year with the new, with the new plan, but um, whatever the savings is, you free up $300 a month. Fantastic. Make sure that that's already accounted for in the budget before, before that first paycheck comes in, might pay off some debt, build the cash reserve, like we talked about or just throw it in the retirement account. So account for your cash flow savings first. Yeah. So I think there's a lot more for you to figure out, Molly, but hopefully we were able to help you somewhat on that journey. Great place to be, by the way, when you've got two plans that sound as good as those two. That's it's a lot more than a lot of people have, OG. So that's a in a lot of ways, that's a good problem to have, isn't it? Yep. We also get letters down here in the basement. And this next one comes to us from San. San says, can you please share some suggestions and include folks who live in the U.S. on a temporary visa, but may not be citizens and might leave the U.S. at any time? So the usual 401k Roth IRA choices come with an anytime withdrawal situation. In addition, the visa restricts any other work other than their full-time job, can't even drive for Uber or Lyft. Only option is passive income like investing, rental, or real estate if they can afford it. All the podcasts and blogs about personal finance focus on the mainstream crowd. Would you be kind enough to do an episode on the other folks? Uh, Suggestions gladly accepted. I'm on a temporary visa, so I'm never sure how long I'm going to stick around here in the U.S., Uh, so the usual doesn't work for me. Thanks, San. Thanks, San. I'll tell you first, we can't do a full episode on that because, to your point, that's a microcosm of the entire listenership of Stacking Benjamins. But we're happy to address it because it affects enough people, OG. Well, this would be the same thing for an account that you had a goal that you needed to be flexible for. All San's saying here is, I have a goal with an indeterminate time frame, but I need liquidity, right? Oh, well, that's pretty simple then. You have to have the money in something that's liquid. You can't have it in a tax-sheltered account. And I would say the same thing regardless of whether or not you're a citizen or a permanent resident or whatever. You need the flexibility. So the flexibility is a regular brokerage account with dollar cost averaging into it, buy and hold. And if you uh, find yourself uh, moving sometime soon, why then you just make a withdrawal and off you go. Take it with you. Wire transfer it to the new place. Don't take a suitcase of money on an airplane overseas. I think that's the biggest thing is to worry about uh, not getting locked up, not having investments that have big back-end fees, right? Right. So there's Mm -hmm. a type of mutual fund called a B-share, which people have to stay in it. Are they even sold anymore? I don't know, but you got to stay in it six years. You know, And some of the annuities out there, annuity products, permanent life insurance, like these things that may or may not- Harder to- to, exit from. Yeah, to liquidate might or might not be be a good strategy. I mean, you might be able to leave it here, but still, do you want to do that? So not knowing, I would just I would just stay away from those things. I think your plan is going to have a little higher tax consequence, right? But you just got to build that into the plan, to your point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Open a brokerage account, big company, start putting money in it. There it is. Thanks for the question, Sam. Have a question for the show? Head to stackybenjamins.com and on the top of the page, you'll see 
questions for the show, click that link and you'll see all the ways that you can speak to us. Uh, thanks to our guest today. Doug's going to do that uh, later, but Michelle is uh, super awesome. I love hearing from Money Ninjas about the time before they were Money Ninja, because I think a lot of people think that, you know, we and our guest always just... Oh, you're a financial planner. You must have your crap together. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I may now. However, yeah. let me tell you a story about before and about right. how I got my crap together. But Great stuff there. Thanks to everybody for listening. By the way, if you're somebody who needs to get your crap together, OG's taking clients. <laughs> that's that's your new slogan. If you need to get to your I crap together. If you need your crap together. Yes. Call OG. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash OG will get you to his calendar where you can move forward from there. All right, Doug, take it away, buddy. I say buddy euphemistically. What's this idea about uh, mowing the lawn while we're doing this? Oh, what should you have actually learned today? But you didn't because you were falling asleep. I'll give you the cliff notes. Hey, take a lesson from Michelle Bobrow. Feel like you spent too much money? So did Michelle. All it takes to change is to decide. Tomorrow doesn't have to be just like today. Second, want the secret to managing your money? Maybe spend some time not working on your money problems, but on your money strategy overall. By focusing less on individual money problems and more on your big picture strategy, you might find there aren't so many problems in the first place. But the big lesson? Don't ask OG about weed whacking while he's recording the Haven Lifeline. That guy makes the Hulk seem like a cute little green guy in comparison. I guess this is a good time for me to make sure my Haven Life Insurance is paid up. He gets a little bristly. Special thanks to Michelle Bobrow for stopping by the basement. You can find more on Michelle at theholisticwallet.com or where else? Say it with me now on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm pretty much the guy in charge of everything around here. Trust me, this well-oiled machine didn't get like this all by itself. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Margie down at the Sizzler just told me I made something of a Freudian slip. When I asked her what that was, she said, it's when you say one thing, but you really mean your mother. Welcome to the after show, part of the show that doesn't exist. You've seen some movies on airplanes. I want to uh, touch on those quickly before we get to the main event, uh, which is, and apologize there, I'm adjusting my microphone while I talk. What have you seen, man? I was trying to remember the fourth movie, but I couldn't um, couldn't remember the name of it. So things that are on my list right now, still plowing through Homeland, it's wash, rinse, repeat. The same storyline repeats itself over and over again. Billions is sweet. Probably the best show ever. Uh, some shows that have been out for a while. Really long while. If you haven't seen Few Good Men in a long time, that's an awesome movie. I mean, it's 30 years old, but it's it's what made me want to be a Marine. I remember that now when I watched it. 
That was Aaron Sorkin's first movie. Mm, wow. It was awesome. On the opposite end of the spectrum, downsizing. I got about 45 minutes into it and turned it off. Couldn't take it. It was so dumb and so uninspiring and so. Ugh. The reviews were not Barf. good. It looked like it could have been, but anyway. The premise so, is cool. The premise is great. Yeah. Yeah. Two thumbs down plus Joe's thumbs down. Everybody's thumbs around me could be down. And then, uh, you know, earth shattering news here. Greatest Showman. Oh. Good movie. <laughs> you know, hadn't seen it before. But uh, yeah, I was thinking about that the other day because we've been watching a lot of Moana at my house. Yeah. Or as my little darling daughter says, Moana, Moana, which also sounds like more Anna as in frozen. So you got to be really. So Moana could be Moana or you, Moana could be mean more Anna and Elsa. You got to clarify. Well, usually she'll say Mo Anna Elta Owaf. So that'll tell you, okay, then we got to go to Frozen. But I was thinking about that because The Rock is the dude in Moana, right? The big, the demigod. And I was, you know, and he's singing and doing all this stuff. And I'm thinking, boy, he's a good singer. And then, you know, I was reflecting on The Greatest Showman. I'm like, he was a great singer too. And all these other people, you know, Zach Efron, of course, is. But, and then it dawns on me, these people are in show business, right? Like they've been in singing and dancing. It's like, wow, I didn't know he could dance. Why wouldn't he be able to dance? He's like a professional actor. Of course he could dance and sing. That's his job. It's like when people go, boy, you're really good at math. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you think? It's what I do <laughs> every day. Right. I know. But anyway, so that kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. Blinding flash of the obvious. But um, in the kid department, Moana's fantastic. If you haven't seen Greatest Showman, do it. What do you got? I went and saw a movie. You talk about Anna and Elsa and Moana. This is another family movie called Deadpool 2. We getting close. You all know the drill. Intercept the convoy. Watch out for cable. Hit it! There's this kid. He's in trouble. Move or die. Pump the hate brakes, Thanos. I ain't letting cable get to him. I can't do this alone. Need backup. We're gonna form a super duper group. It's time to get back on LinkedIn. Meet Bedlam. My name's Shatterstar. Domino, I'm lucky. Luck isn't a superpower. It's certainly not very cinematic. Yes, it is. Let's meet in the middle and say no, it isn't. And of course, that's uh, just the beginning of the beginning of Deadpool forming a new superhero group. And Deadpool 2 kind of picks up right where Deadpool 1 left off. He runs into some other big problems uh, right from the beginning. The beginning of the movie is everybody's hilarious is the beginning of the first movie. You know what's funny, OG? When I went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy, I love the humor in Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, so much that I was so looking forward to the second one. Like just, it was so funny and so irreverent and I was so let down. It was such a mess. So probably the movie I was looking forward to after that more than any other film was this one. And I was so ready to be let down. And this movie was so damn funny. Every bit as good as the first one. It was two dumb hours of hilarity and grossness, just nastiness. (laughs) You know, there is no movie in the Marvel Universe as raunchy, as bloody as, oh, they did that, you know, and they breaks the fourth wall the whole time. You saw the first one, right? Nope, not yet. Oh, see, this is this is your kind of Marvel movie. This is completely your kind of Marvel. You you and Deadpool would be buddies. You If Deadpool could be buddies with anybody. And Deadpool 1, I really didn't care to see, but I heard so many good things about him. Like, oh, okay, it doesn't seem like me. And man, did I laugh my head off. So definitely not a family movie, definitely not bring your children to, and uh, a big fat thumb up as long as you're okay with a bunch of grossness and action and uh, (laughs) just irreverent humor. Uh, Deadpool makes me laugh. Ryan Reynolds has has found his 
has found, I think, his his big character. We were talking about that movie that he was in with Sarah Sandra Bullock, where he pretends to be her boyfriend or fiance or whatever, and it's this romantic comedy thing. It was a funny movie, but I remember they had zero chemistry in the entire movie. It's like this romantic comedy where there's no chemistry. And you think, man, maybe Ryan Reynolds over his head. And then the one with the the stolen paintings where the Germans had stolen a bunch of paintings from Jews. Remember that one that he did with Hel Mirren a few years ago that we talked about? And I, and I really liked that movie, but a lot of people said that he was over his head there. Like the dramatic stuff is above him. And yet, uh, and yet, um, I don't know, man. Deadpool's his thing. It just feels like he's doing Van Wilder again, but with a suit on. And Van Wilder really made me laugh. You did see Van Wilder. Don't think so. You did not. Okay. Well, anyway, big thumb up for Deadpool too. Go see it, OG. Will do. Well, Stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military and let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend og who spent time in the military and of course we know what a giver he is even when he pretends like he's being uh, mr surly navy federal offers member only exclusive rates discounts and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals visit navyfederal.org celebrate and you'll see all their military appreciation month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.